Good evening to you and yours. Hope you're well. It is Sunday, February 20th at 9.21 p.m. A little bit, I'm a little bit slow getting on my postgame uh, this evening because uh, I, had, uh, uh, I went to a, a, a basketball game for my son. LBD had a game this evening, so um, I, I watched part of the, the end of the game on a, a bit of a delay. But uh, you saw what I saw, which was Purdue cruising to uh, a relative, I don't want to say easy victory because Purdue's effort really did it in this game. Purdue wins 84 to 72 over Rutgers, gets a, a bit of revenge over the team that knocked them out of the um, number one spot uh, that they had waited. I don't know how long the basketball team's been in existence, but as long as rankings have been around, Purdue had been ra- waiting to get to number one. And they got knocked out by Ruggers. We remember that uh, in uh, Piscataway and uh, on the on the shoulders of Ron Harper Jr., really mainly. That was the story. Um, he carried him last time, 30 points. Uh, he had that huge, um, just absolutely uh, heartbreaking uh, game winner where uh, he just stepped to the left. It, it really unorthodox shot and, and drained it from half court and and ripped all the the Purdue Nation heart out. But today was a different game for a lot of reasons. And for the first time in about three or four games, we saw a good start, which was really, really heartening. We saw a Purdue team that had a ton of energy. um, And we saw Jaden Ivey kind of back at it after a couple of games where he was a little bit off his game. Purdue looked refreshed. Let's be real honest. If you want to just kind of sum up the whole thing, they looked refreshed. They looked like the team that we expect them to look like. Um... And they did it uh, in a number of ways. They kind of reminded us of what, what defines them in a number of ways. Let's not forget, uh, Rutgers came, in, came into this game, I think, winning four straight, all versus ranked opponents. They were the hottest team in America. I think maybe there were five straight wins, four straight versus ranked opponents. Regardless, they were, they were uh, a national story, a white-hot team. Uh, they were absolutely crushing it. Um, they're fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. Right now, they're 16-10 after the loss. Produce it to 24-4. Thirteen and four in the conference, and is controlling their own destiny when it comes to the Big Ten race, as they will face um, up next Michigan State at Michigan State, then Wisconsin at Wisconsin, then IU at Mackey Arena. Um, let's let's uh, let's go over a couple of stats, a couple of the keys to the game. First one that I've been talking about a lot, been beating this drum a lot, was uh, free throw shooting. Purdue shot eighty two point eight percent from three, so eighty three percent. From three, <clears throat> and uh, really the guy who really makes that number go in this game, uh, if you look at all of them, it's, it's incredible. It's such a turnaround from some of the games we've seen this year. But Ivy specifically was taking the ball strong to the hoop and drawing a lot of fouls. He, he had 50, 15 made free throws. He went 15 for 18. He finished with 25 points, four assists, a couple of rebounds, um, and not, not a ton of turnovers. Kept those at a minimum. Um, and he only had three. And speaking of turnovers, so one of the things Matt Painter's really been trying to hit Purdue hard with is try to keep their turnovers under, I think, seven or eight a game was his goal. Last couple games, they've had 14, 16 turnovers. It's been pretty uh, sloppy basketball, honestly, offensively. Um, this game, just seven turnovers. And this was against a team. Rutgers really, really plays a pretty uh, a high-pressure style of defense. Let me see. Let me look at the Big Ten stats for the game. Or coming in. Coming into the to this game, I use number one in overall defense, and Rutgers is second. Um, they're uh, allowing opponents to score 64 points a game. 
A little bit different outcome for them tonight with Purdue scoring 84 points. So let's let's go through the guys who really made a difference. Like I said, Ivy was excellent. He's only 5'11 from the 5 of 11 from the field. 0 for 5 from 3. And that's a story that I was going to talk about. Purdue um, started off okay from three, really did not shoot the three well at all in the second half. They kind of did it the old-fashioned way. They gutted it out. They um, um in spite of really being off for multiple games in a row as a team. They're not shooting the ball collectively well. Um, they're still finding ways to win. I think that's a really, really good sign as Purdue uh, heads down this um, the, the final stretch before the NCAA tournament. Uh, the guy who did hit three, especially in the first half, Mason Gillis, I think he started the game two for two. He finished two for four. Gillis finished ten points, five rebounds, and assists. But if you watch Gillis, which I, I like to isolate on him specifically just because he entertains me in the way he works. He takes shots from guys. He had a couple plays where he just got knocked down, pulled down. Refs, of course, didn't call it. Gillis, unlike a lot of Purdue players who look to the ref right away, I mean, he does get animated, but he gets down and tries to go make a difference right away. And this is one of the reasons I think Purdue fans really love watching the guy play. Gillis finishes with 10 points. Off the bench, Trey Williams finishes with 11 Most, of the, I think most of his work was in the first half. He was incredible. Maybe all of his points were in the first half, but his arsenal of skill and uh, technical ability was really on display. He had a guy guarding him that looked like he didn't know how to guard him, and Trey just made him play. He had 11 points, uh, four assists, four rebounds, just two turnovers. But like I said, his first half was dynamic. He was, uh, he was amazing in the block. He was turnarounds both directions, had a three. He was one for one from three, for three. Um, he played a really, really solid game. Zach Eady, of course, took over in the second half, played really, really tough. And that's the great thing about the two-headed monster of big men that Purdue has had the last couple of years. But this year, uh, of course, Eady and Williams have, have been strong. So 15 points for Big Zach, seven rebounds, three assists. And one of his assists, I said, he learned that trick from Trey Williams. He was in the block, um, and he just kind of passed it. I, actually, he passed it, passed it under. But he passed it over uh, to the weak side. Easy play. Um, Purdue's passing was generally excellent. Purdue had 19 assists, which is always a good sign for an offense. Um, they, they, they played sound basketball, though. I don't know what else to say. Other than the energy level was really, really high. Uh, it's great to see Eric Hunter play a solid game. Seven points, three assists, no turnovers. Uh, and he's doing the little stuff. Eric Hunter has impressed the hell out of me the last five, seven games. I just think he's um, kind of making things go. Rutgers uh, extended the, their... Their um, press, and their press is a little bit different. It's, it's uh, kind of an altered trap. Um, seems like a lot of hands are around the ball all the time. Three men are, are attacking the ball. Purdue did a really good job attacking it. They got lucky a couple times on the way they went against the press and broke it. I don't want to say, um, like I said, luckily, but they really did. They had a couple of plays they did. They, they just kind of got away with some stuff. But generally, they handled the press well, and Hunter was one of the reasons. One of my favorite plays of the game, of course, the way they closed the game out. Hunter gets across the midcourt line. Um, He's kind of dribbling around, looks like one of the globetrotters, gets to the top of the key, gets to Trey. Trey draws the double team, throws a behind-the-back pass to Ivy, who puts the exclamation point on the game, of course, with a dunk. Ivy also had one of the – if you didn't get to watch the game, you're going to see Ivy's dunk. Check out our Twitter feed. I think I pinned it to the top – Ivy's dunk over two Rutgers players was really noteworthy, really macho, um, just an all-around great play. 
lot of Purdue fans, uh, that's not fair, a handful of Purdue fans get frustrated with Ivy because of uh, some of the things he does. Because he's a volume shooter. He's a guy that needs to get into a groove. He takes a lot of shots. But um, if you can't see how special this kid is, I don't know if you understand basketball. You may get frustrated with shot selection, but he's so dynamic. And he's got, when he is dialed in, he's got something that we just have not seen very many times in my 46 years as a Purdue fan. So um, he's, he's a special player. Sasha had a, had a pretty solid game. He was three for seven for three, uh, 11 points, three assists. I had a sidebar conversation on Twitter. Somebody said, does anybody get nervous when Sasha's taking the ball out of bounds? Um, I really don't. I know there's some people that have concerns about this, but if you're concerned about Sasha with the ball in his hands passing, I don't know if there's a better maybe maybe Williams is the better passer on the team. After that, I don't really know because Sasha's led the team, I think, in assists this year. Um he's just been been rock solid. Um off the bench, not a ton of stuff to talk to talk about. Uh Thompson had three points, first had two points. Um let's see, did I miss any more of the starter stars? I got all of them. But it's a good win. Purdue improves to 24-4 on the season, 13-4 in conference. You guys saw what I, if you, if you watch my quick cast, you saw my little analysis of previous Final Four teams where Purdue ranks in the Ken Palm and all that stuff. Now, regardless where Purdue ranks in the Ken Palm and regardless of where they compare to, to other teams, 24-4 is a really good record historically for a Purdue team coming into the, uh, as we head towards the tournament. If they can handle their business and go 2-1 and one, or 3-0, and oh, they're going to be literally up in some of the rarest air uh, with some of the Purdue teams that are the greatest of all time. Um, there was one Purdue team that got a number one seed, won the conference with two losses. I think that's, I think it's a team from the late 80s, if I remember correctly. But um, incredible season there. Winning the Big Ten with less than four losses is a noteworthy period in the Big Ten. But... Um, like I said, and like I keep saying, the Big Ten Conference, winning that is not the most important thing. As Purdue fans, we should look, be looking at bigger things. But winning that conference will go a long way in putting Purdue in a good place. If they can win out, I don't know how you can deny them the number one seed. They are creeping ever closer. Teams in front of them are, are continuing to lose. Kentucky lost this week. Auburn loses this week. Purdue will probably be either third or fourth when the poll comes out tomorrow. Um, I know that's not a one-to-one uh, comparison with what they do with the Selection Sunday committee, uh, but it's close. It's close. And the fact that Purdue's been hanging around, their, the body of work that they talk about every year, Purdue's body of work is excellent. Um, and if they can play the way they played today with that defensive level, they did things, they took away, I want to look at something, <clears throat> talk to you guys a little bit about this. In the first game, Ron Harper absolutely slaughtered them. Like I said, 30 points. Today... 12 points. And Purdue was showing so many different looks and putting so many different guys on him and throwing double teams at him, making it very difficult. In the first half, they had a little problem with rotations. Uh, Rutgers got too many open look threes for my liking. In the second half, they kind of took that away. And it looked like with going into the second half and then all the way through the end of the game, it really looked like Purdue was on cruise control and there wasn't really much of a doubt that they were going to lose this game. They played uh, Baker very hard. Uh, Mulcahy had a good game. Mulcahy's a sneaky good player, very solid. Six for eight, uh, six for eight uh, from the field. He's just solid. Um, so he had a good game. Uh, but one second. <clears throat> Before I continue further, let me thank our sponsors Martin Vintage, um, uh, Gridiron Metalworks, and of course AJ's. 
Um, if you're going to head to Purdue, we only got one more chance to, to be at a game in person. But if you're going to be on campus for the IU game, for the season finale, head over to AJ's, have a pint, have a burger. If you want to get a great T-shirt or sweatshirt, go to Martin Vintage and are boiled at checkout 15% off. And finally, you know the great gifts at um, Gridiron Metalworks and are boiled at checkout there for 15% off. And they have just amazing stuff, high-quality stuff that's going to last a long time. And you can brag to your friends as grilling season opens up especially. So uh, I'm going to close down here for a second. Let's see. Got a couple couple people watching live. Appreciate you guys. Um, let's see if any there's anything here. Um, so Theodore Berkey has a good point. When the lid comes off of Ivy's three, it'll be dangerous. The last five games, he's been shooting flat out poorly from three. No other way around it. If he can bring that part back into the game, uh, this is scary. This is scary for everybody who has to play Purdue. There's no doubt. Uh, Purdue has six days off now, guys, guys and girls. Six days off. So I think they get two full days off. And it sounds like a weird thing, but I am so excited for this team. They already had a day off last week, or coming into this game, where they could take a deep breath. And it showed that they were fresh and they looked better. They're going to have a full, great four days of practice here. And I fully expect them to look like the team that beat up on Butler when they play Michigan State. Michigan State seems to be nearing a breaking point. They're pretty frustrating or frustrated. Um, and um, Tom Izzo seems frustrated. And I look for Purdue to, to really play Michigan State tough um, at the Breslin Center. Um, tough place to play, uh, especially historically for Purdue. But I think there's blood in the water, and I think this team gets it. I really do. So uh, I talked to a friend of mine. Uh, he said he thought he had some concern that maybe Ivy had taken his foot off the, the uh, accelerator and was going to kind of cruise to the – to the um, finish line, and we see no indicator of that, which was great news for Purdue, great news for everybody. Um, anyway, um, let's say BAD says everybody looks so uh, uninterested in playing defense. I don't know if I agree with that today, um, and I don't know if there's more context in this, but um, I don't know if I agree with that. I think today I thought the defensive level was turned up. I think the effort was good. I think Purdue was doing – when, when you're playing harder defense, when you're playing, when the switches were really, really noteworthy because they're sprinting out at the switch, um, they were late a couple times, but they were not having the problems they've had in some previous games. So that's noteworthy to me. The defense does look better. Um, but uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in live today. Um, Thanks to everyone who's who's watching or listening on delay. Appreciate you as well. And um, next up, like I said, Michigan State in. Let me. I'll double check this real quick. But I think it's Michigan State in six days. I'll double check right now. Yeah, in uh, six days, February twenty sixth. So that's that's pretty darn excellent. And uh, Purdue made it through. I think the key stretch of this. Home stretch, getting through Northwestern and Rugger two and zero to me was such a big deal, because uh, to me those were just dangerous games. Rut Rutgers had looked good, right? They had beaten good teams, so that should put should have put Purdue on notice. But the other thing was having these teams that are on the bubble or worse, their quadrant rating, right? That really matters, and so you didn't want to stub your toe against a team that's not very good. Now the remaining games are all pretty solid teams. Michigan State has been ranked. They've been ranked most of the year. They might not be ranked uh, come tomorrow afternoon, but if pollsters tend to like Tom Izzo and company, so maybe they'll be holding on by their fingernails at 23 or something. 
Um, and then Wisconsin, of course, will be ranked. If you if you paid attention to college basketball this afternoon, you saw Juwan Howard lose his cool yet again and intentionally try to start a fight. That's new. Uh, actually, he tried to do that last uh, year versus Turgeon. He didn't get there because he had four assistants holding him back. Let's not discount the fact that that man is a madman who can't control his, his emotions. He's a child. Um, that's all there is to it. I don't like Wisconsin. I understand why anyone would want to punch Greg Gard in the face. And Krabenhoff, of course, that's the guy who really took the blunt from what um, from Juwan Howard's uh, anger. He's the one who it looked like he kind of kind of swiped and grabbed at his face. Um, but Howard's a child, and um, it's great seeing Michigan being on the bubble, and hopefully they don't get to the tournament, and hopefully Dickinson and his whiny face doesn't go. But um, I understand. I do understand why anybody would be frustrated and dislike that Wisconsin staff. But going to blows, not a good thing. And right when Howard did it, it seemed like it was just throwing a match on a, uh, a gasoline can. And um, shortly after, you, have, of course, had that brawl. So um, I don't know if the league will do anything significant. I don't know how you can avoid not suspending him for the remainder of the season. Seems like a no-brainer. Who knows if they'll do it. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty tough to, to, for anybody to try to tell you that what Howard has done in the last two years, Maryland and Wisconsin are okay. That's not okay. So you got to have an adult in the room and Michigan clearly doesn't. So that's about it. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, have a great evening. Have a great morning. If you're listening to this on delay, God bless you. Hammer down and we'll talk to you soon. See ya.